What's up, everyone? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast here at golongtd.com. A special, special edition. I am honored to be joined by my main man, Tom Silverstein. We, I think everybody who's listening, Tom, they know your work so well. They probably know it the same way I do these days, where it's like every time I'm on PackersNews.com and I'm subscribe, I'm a subscriber, but it's because of you. And I think a lot of people would say the exact same thing. I subscribe because of Tom. And anytime I'm not a subscriber, you write something that makes me resubscribe. So please tell your employer you need a raise. And everybody who's listening uh, is is paying into the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and PackersNews.com because of Tom Silverstein. Wow, thanks. Uh, you just put a lot of pressure on me now. I, <laughs> I, I, I try to think like I have three readers, and that takes all the pressure off, you know. So now. Now you made me really nervous, but uh, no, I appreciate all the kind words. It's, you know, after 35 years or however many it's been, um, I think I'm starting 34 on the Packer beat. It's like, uh, you know, you should have some, some institutional knowledge and be able to offer something. So if I didn't, then I'm, then it's time to hang it up. You know, you do. I think that when you write anything, it's always with authority, a lot like Bob. I mean, that's why you two are more respected than anybody who's ever covered the Green Bay Packers. Because when you speak, when you write, people listen. And just on a personal level, it's just great to see you again. I mean, loved working with you at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. It would have been 2011 to 2015, I think is when I came back to Buffalo. So yeah, five, five years, and it was it was a great time. We five shared many a road trip with Bob, and you know, yeah, it was near, good. Nearly dying in Chicago, we'll never forget that. <laughs> Don't stop bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that sorry. Away. I'm sorry. No, you saved our lives, Tom. You were the one who reacted. You got out of that lane when that truck came out of nowhere. But I was the one who turned us into that lane in the first place. It was like, for those who don't know, it was a blizzard. And some guy, we're on Lakeshore Drive, and some guy's going a thousand miles an hour in the right lane, and I'm trying to get off. It's really funny because we were just in Chicago, and I thought of that. You know, it just, it just like popped up in my head. I was like, "Oh man, remember that?" Then the guy like stopped at the intersection after or whatever and was like yelling at us, and I was just like, "I'm in half shock." All of us are in half shock, you know. Yeah, I st- <laughs> I, maybe I brought it up when we had John last year. So sorry about that. It's just every time I see you, I think we're like spiritually connected <laughs> by our near death experience. I just remember sitting in that back seat, seeing that truck come like a bat out of hell. And, and, you know, I guess you maybe went over. He, he was going way over the speed limit. Oh my he God. Came out of nowhere. A hundred miles an hour in a blizzard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, that- it's funny with all the guys, all the people I've worked with, I have one special travel story with every every person like with Greg Bedard it was we were we did a planes trains and automobiles thing where one of the planes we were on I mean it took us all day we're coming from Tampa the pilot comes on and says um we think the engine's on fire so we're gonna do an emergency landing where or she's like the the you know sensor says it's on fire so I don't think it is, but we're going to do an emergency landing anyway. 
you know. That's comforting. <laughs> yeah. And then I will never forget after the Atlanta game in 2010, the, um, the semifinal uh, game, the divisional game, and, and Bob, me, and Gary D'Amato are out at 4.30 a.m. and we can't get a cab away from the, like we called a cab, and nothing's coming. They keep putting us on hold. And we must have sat there for like an hour, you know, just waiting for a cab. So I got stories with every single person. I mean, really, if you would have taken just detailed notes, you could write a book, I, I'd imagine, yeah. just from travel stories. It was, sure. uh, I mean, even in Phoenix during Super Bowl week, we had, I had a couple close calls in, uh, in lifts. And after that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm just renting a car every single time. I'm really? done. I'm done. Yeah, yeah wow. it was bad. I mean, there it's Super Bowl week. Everybody's driving like a maniac around there, and yeah, on who knows what drugs. So, all right, people. Speaking of drugs, that's a good segue into Aaron Rodgers, yeah, right? right? Yeah, that's that's good. Ayahuasca and shrooms and you know darkness retreats. Um, so for those who don't know, uh, two weeks ago, I guess it was maybe a little over two weeks ago here at at Go Long, Bob reported that Green Bay is done with Aaron Rodgers. They're moving on to Jordan Love. They see Aaron Rodgers 2.0, and he cited sources with intimate knowledge of the Packers planning and deliberations. All hell broke loose. You know what's so funny, Tom? And you, we both know Bob so well. All these people just blasting away on Twitter and social media and saying he has dementia and all of these other vile accusations and just abhorrent. I mean, really, the, the worst of humanities on there. He sent all this to Bob and like, he doesn't read one reply. So everybody who's saying all this to him, he does not care. No idea. Yeah. It's no idea. Um, but then you, you've been covering the hell out of this story as, as you always do, Tom. Um, I don't want to speak for you, but you, you cited, I think initially, you know, somebody in the NFL who kind of hinted that Brian Gutekinds is ready to move on to Jordan Love. Yeah. It was sort of, it, it, it actually came out before Bob's thing and it just, just blew my little uh, scoop out of the water. Um, yeah, basically, uh, a really good source I had said a colleague, uh, or you know, said a colleague, um, Gutekunst had been telling people they're moving on. You know, this was like at the end of the season, so they had already decided, or he had already decided. Now, what he said and what the organization said could could have been different at the time, but it was in his mind that they were going to move on to Jordan Love at that time. You get to the and NFL. Then since then, yeah. And then since then I've talked to uh, very, you know, people who are very in touch and um, yeah, they've moved on. They're already talking about the, the trade and what they can get for them. So, but this isn't over. This isn't over by any means. Anybody who knows Aaron Rodgers knows that this could drag on for you know there's all kinds of ways it could drag on i thought i think uh one of those sites said yesterday and i hadn't thought about it he could do a far if he could retire and then come back later you know so it's complicated a complicated fella one could say right yeah um, yeah you're right i've tried yep. to consider all scenarios because he's he's odd um, he always says something that cuts against the norm. It's different than what, what everybody expects. So that would be an option for him. But in terms of, let's just start like the Packers point of view, because, you know, we're both there in Indianapolis, the NFL scouting combine. I believe 
Brian Gudikins, he met with you guys at the local beat writers first early in the morning. And then he held his press conference, which I was at after that. And so he, he spoke a little more, more in depth with, with you all. But in both sessions, I think we both had the same takeaway. This is a GM and a team talking about a quarterback in a way they've, they've never spoken publicly about him. You know, in the past, it was always, of course we want him. We're never going to trade him. He's our MVP quarterback. Get the hell out of here with this nonsense. And now it's all options are on the table. And yeah. we love Jordan that- Love. A lot of praise for Love. It was much, much different. He said he said so much in what he didn't say, obviously, but he did say a lot in what he actually said about Jordan Love, too. Yeah, well, he, he said he needs to play. And, and to me, the difference was he never said, we want Aaron Rodgers back. We want him. He was asked directly about it. And he said, well, that'll work itself out. You know, we need to talk. First, we need to find out what his plans are. And, you know, at no point did he say, we, you know, we're fully invested in bringing Aaron Rodgers back. We need him back and we want to take another run at the Super Bowl. I mean, that was just not said. And, you know, he, he made a point of saying that they've been in communication with Jordan Love the whole offseason constantly. And that he may have texted Rodgers once or twice, or they may have exchanged texts once or twice. <laughs> a little um, different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he said, Jordan Love needs to play, you know, well, you know, they're not, they're not going to trade him. So where's he going to play, you know, figure it out. It, it, it wasn't hard to read between the lines. Totally. He made a point to say those words repeatedly, you know, at the podium with us in a, it was kind of an abbreviated press conference, really. We should, we should have asked him more questions. And with you guys at length, Right. Again yeah. and again and again, he needs to play. It was, he went in with that mind frame of, you know, cause they, they I'm sure he planned his messaging, oh, you know, again absolutely. and again. He, right. It's, this isn't just off the cuff. He's going in with a very clear purpose because this is the, the first public words that he's delivered. And that was what he wanted to get across. Jordan Love needs to play. Yeah. And at the end of the season, it was very different. It was, you know, Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback, he's under contract. Um, we always considered it a two-year deal, um, all of that, you know, but that was before they sat down and broke down his, um, you know, his year. And I I would assume at that time that um, they may not have con- had LaFleur and Mark Murphy on board yet. And I'm still not sure that LaFleur is on board with it because he's in – He's in a tough situation, you know, after coming off that losing year. I know he went 13 and three, you know, three straight years. So that should earn him something. But you don't want to have two losing years in a row. You know, that's that's when things that's when McCarthy got fired, you know. And so I'm sure there's there's uh, a security blanket and having Rogers with him as opposed to going into a year with love where, you know, a six and 10 season is not out of the question either. It's uh, it's all about self-preservation in pro football, right? These coaches and GMs, it's not necessarily about being bold and daring and charting a new path. It's how am I going to stay employed longer and clutching and hanging on to these hall of fame quarterbacks 
mean, LaFleur wouldn't be alone. I mean, the Steelers hung on to Ben Roethlisberger too long. The Giants hung on to Eli Manning too long. Like you're going to maintain your employment and the fans are are going to want you to keep these Hall of Famers in most cases. That's kind of why this is different. I mean, we I had a I threw up a poll and obviously I'm very Jordan Love friendly at go, at go long. And it was like 73% of the fans were like, all right, we're ready to move on. Let's see what we have. And then you go on, you know, 12 friendly territory, you know, with a former co-host of his, they, they put up a poll on their website and it's 73% love again. So, I mean, if you're going to care what the fans think, which maybe, maybe he doesn't care at all. Um, by and large, people are ready to move on to Jordan Love, it seems. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to tell because I still get a lot of, um, pro Rogers stuff, but. I do think there's a uh, segment of society that or Packer fans who aren't hardcore fans, they're just fans, fans, and they're kind of tired of the, of the drama, you know, that's every time they pick up the paper, it's something uh, about him or, you know, what he's doing or some opinion he's got that's bizarre you know, I just think he it, it, is the term I've used is like he sucks a lot of the air out of the room, you know, and so it all becomes about him. And I think that turns off a lot of people. Now, not everybody, not everybody. Some people, they think he's still got everything and that maybe the thumb injury was the reason he didn't play so well last year. But that's not what I saw. Yeah, you know, what's weird to if, if you're going to go into a darkness retreat, great. You know, I mean, when you read about what this can do psychologically for you, there can be benefits. I mean, Jamal Williams was telling us how he just went away from his phone for an hour or two and, you know, hit all this clarity. But if you're going to go into this darkness, why don't you just go into the darkness instead of teasing it on Pat McAfee? And then before you even go beyond a text message with Brian Gutekunst, you sit down with Aubrey Marcus for over an hour to talk about taking wipes in the dark. I, I just think Aaron Rodgers has overestimated how much people actually care about all of this. I don't know. I mean, maybe there's, there's probably a segment of people out there who are unbelievably interested in what it was like in this cave. I think more people are exhausted by it. And he's just kind of miscalculating all of how much people care about every single thing he does when people just kind of want a decision, especially these Packer fans, they went through it in, in 08. So you've already been through it. You already did the song and dance. More people wanted Brett Favre than they wanted Aaron Rodgers. Then it's kind of flipped. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. That was big. Well, you know, it, it's, you, you make a great point is that, you know, if you're going on a retreat like that, it's all about a personal journey. And if you want to talk about it after that, that makes a lot of sense, you know? And, and when I listened to his, the Aubrey Marcus podcast, I actually thought he said a lot of interesting things about contemplating retirement. Like I thought there were some really honest things about, you know, the end of your career, you know, this is all you've done since the sixth grade or whatever it was for him. And you know, to walk away from it, I, I think he, he expressed what probably a lot of quarterbacks did. But then it turns into all kinds of crap after that. I literally, mean, literally crap. crap. It's not crap to him, but yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> literally crap. But 
you know, then it's all, if, if he could just be, uh, stick to those areas where he's really thoughtful on that, it was very interesting. So this is somebody <clears throat> who enjoys the game of manipulating, manipulate, manipulation, um, and kind of manipulating people, situations uh, for, for, yeah. for good and bad. I don't know. You know him well, Tom, you know, as well as anybody can who's covered him. Is this a game to Aaron Rodgers? I mean, the NFL's on hold. The Jets are waiting. The Raiders yeah. are, who knows what they want to do, right? If the Jets really wanted Derek Carr, you would just go sign him. You wouldn't sit around and wait for Aaron Rodgers. Do you think he gets some kind of enjoyment out of everybody waiting for him? Or is he genuinely in this deep state of contemplation and not, and and doesn't really know what he wants to do. I got the sense from the Aubrey Marcus podcast um, that he he's re- ready to come back, that he wants to play. I just thought his his I don't know what you thought, but I thought his arguments for coming back were stronger than for retiring. That yes. he felt, you know, that's he's not done yet. And um, I. I I don't know what the motivation is, but I do know, you know, he he concocts things in his head that people are against him and um, and that he's needs to show them something. You know, I mean, he's used that competitively his entire life and it's worked for him. So I, I guess it's creeped into, you know, what he's doing here. I. I don't know. It's all the other stuff. I think if if you could find a way to separate it, it, it would be a lot easier to stomach. But it all intertwines the football and the conspiracy theories. And where's that Epstein list he keeps talking about was going to be released, right? You know, I mean, all of that kind of stuff. And we know he's a conspiracy theorist we we have it on record from deshaun kaiser who the first time he yeah. walked into the meeting room he asked kaiser whether uh, he believed in 9 11 you know it, it's so there's a lot to unpack there with him not, not a lot and, of backlash on something like that too <laughs> like that's that's right, insane right yeah and and here's the thing he's got a lot of control he has a lot of power that contract that they did was well thought out and not by the Packers, but by Aaron Rodgers and David Dunn, it was to give him the maximum amount of control. And so think about it. You know, he's got this guaranteed $58.3 million. Um, if the Packers don't exercise the option, which means pay it, um, you know, so that it's uh, the salary cap charge on it is spread out over four years. The Packers absorb $58.3 million on their cap. So they have to keep him or they have to trade him. But if they want to trade him, he can just say, hey, go ahead and trade me, but I'm retiring. You know, if you trade me to this team, you trade me to Houston, I'm retiring. And so he's got all kinds of, um, you know, control in this thing. It's, it's amazing what that contract did for him. I think that's what's hard for people to wrap their heads around is when they hear Brian Kudik can say, Jordan Love needs to play. 
and they see Bob's report, they see your reporting and, and your column, which was phenomenal. Everybody should read it at PackersNews.com out of the combine. Um, that this this team's ready to go forward with Jordan Love. It's hard for people to wrap their head around. Okay, if Aaron Rodgers just chooses to play and says, I want to play in Green Bay, and he shows up, say he even shows up to OTAs, which maybe we shouldn't hold our breath, but say he does. Do they really tell Aaron Rodgers, no, Jordan Love needs to play. You're a backup at that number? Well, yeah, and here's the thing. So, again, this is his control. You know, for one, he the Packers cannot deny him the um, the right to work. So he's got a contract. If he comes in and says, I want to play, they have to they have to play. I mean, that's illegal to break that contract, you know, unless they cut him. But they can't cut him because then immediately there's ninety nine million dollars of cap space that's uh, or of cap charges that are sitting out there that would count this year. He would count ninety nine million under the cap if they cut him today. Um, so he's got that, you know, going for him, right? He, um, yeah, he could come in and he could be a backup, but then they they execute the option and that kills their cap for four more years because next year if they cut him, it would be $66 million he'd count against the cap. So it's like every time you execute the option, you dig deeper into the hole. So what they have to do is get rid of the contract. Somehow they have to get rid of that contract, but he's in total control, total control. It's a genius contract. What a scene that would be though, if say he, it's pretty clear that he wants to stick it to green Bay and stay and play and, 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 and get that dollar amount. Does, does he risk being humiliated though, as a backup? I mean, Green Bay could still, I don't know how the numbers work. Maybe it is impossible. Um, and they have to just trade Jordan Love or to, and, to and they made him. this bed. But yeah, if they just keep Rodgers and start Jordan Love and say, Aaron, you're you're the backup. If you want to be here, you're backing up Jordan Love. And we the dollars and all of that stuff is secondary. Really hard, Ty. I mean, if you're willing, so you're taking on that $58 million, which is... Uh, 42 million of it is going charged against the cap for the next three years. And that becomes due. And you're assuming that you're going to pay your, you know, he's leaving next year. And so at some point he's, you got to eat up that 42 million, but there's actually more than that sitting out there. There's another, just do the same thing again. He's got signing bonus money out there. He's got um, restructure bonus money out there it's that's why if he got cut next year it would be 66 million against the cap and then that would be the year that jordan love counts 20 million because they're going to have to execute the fifth year option on him so you're putting 80 million dollars on your quarterback now maybe they could convince him to retire and rewrite the contract so that they weren't in such bad shape but regardless you got to pay the piper and it would be really hard to keep him around, you know. Good Lord, what a terrible contract for Green Bay. Great contract for Aaron Rodgers. It's just, yeah, they, yeah, 
I mean, think about if they had done the Russell Wilson deal, what kind of shape they'd be in. They would have had a crappy year last year, right? Um, but they'd be having, they'd be sitting there with what, the 10th pick maybe in the draft plus Denver's pick, which is, what is Denver? I forgot. It's like, or Seattle's like number five, right? Yeah. So they'd have two like top 10 picks. I think I figured it out. They would have four picks in the top 45 if they had traded him for Russell Wilson this year. And they would be building this, you know, really super young team around Jordan Love. Could have done it the last two off seasons. It just, it, it took, you know, conviction and balls and being willing to lose for a year or two. But yep. I think that's why I'm just more impressed by Ted Thompson more and more every year and <laughs> the decision he made to just move forward with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he had to have that belief in Aaron Rodgers to do it. So they just didn't have that in Jordan Love as Aaron Rodgers is winning MVP. So I, I, I get it. But then he takes this big jump from year two to year three. Um, you know, w- what's your take on, on Jordan Love with where he's at? Uh, it, with what you can see in practices, with what you've seen in games, is he, you know, all the financial stuff aside, is he in the same place Aaron Rodgers was, you know, 07 to 08 in terms of being ready to start in the NFL? Um, so first you, you brought up Ted Thompson, which was, uh, I've heard people say, you know, he he, no way in hell would he have approved that contract. And he would have had the authority to say, no, we're not doing that. Brian Gutekunst doesn't necessarily have that authority. It really comes down to Mark Murphy, whether he was willing, because it's, you know, the three silos that they talk about. It's equal, you know, LaFleur's got the roster, you know, Gutekunst, or, you know, he's got the team, Gutekunst's got the roster, and, and Murphy oversees it all. And Russ Ball's in there, too. He's got the finances. So um, I would be willing to bet that Gutekunst was ready to do it last year. And then, you know, they just said, convinced each other, no, we got to take one more run at it. So it's a really um, good point. I'm glad you brought that up. The power, we we tend to forget about how these organizations are are structured. And it is different in Green Bay now than it was with Ted Thompson. Yeah. and, And Murphy's in this too. You know, he's he's a big part of this. He's way in the background, it seems like. But, you know, he was in the discussion about whether to pay that contract. So, um, you know, it's a it's pretty much an organizational failing to give that contract. So anyway, getting on to Jordan Love, um, I feel like he's in the exact same place as Rogers was going in. The part I none of us know is what his ceiling is you know Roger's ceiling wound up being to be one of the best quarterbacks in the game ever and what is Jordan Love's ceiling and that's what we just don't know we saw some really good highlights of him just like we saw some really good highlights of Rogers when he played against Dallas in 2007 so you know I, I saw some really good things from Jordan Love you know the Philadelphia game a lot of people were like, oh, well, he was just playing against, you know, cover four. He was just playing against, um, you know, prevent defense. But it, I went back and looked at it. And, like, the one he hit Christian Watson on was a 
a blitz, you know, and he, he picked it perfectly. And then he threw that ball to Aaron Jones on the sideline that force said, you're never, that's not really even a read, but he saw it happening. Jones dropped it. It was a really nice throw between the safety and the corner. And, you know, and then the last time he just, they could have scored if he'd have run it or he would have got at least got a first down when he threw to Randall Cobb, but that's like, he's trying to run the offense. So when he gets older, he might just take, take that, run it in like, Barb did in County Stadium in 1994, you know, and that might have been <laughs> Great a huge yeah. game, you know. So I, I think there's a lot there to work with. It just, again, it's like, is he going to be an all-pro quarterback or is he just going to be, you know, Derek Carr? I don't know. We're going to find out about that, I think, fairly soon. Man, great points. I, I wonder, too, you mentioned the floor – and not really knowing what he wants to do with Aaron Rodgers. But if they're, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is at his best doing his thing at the line of scrimmage, audibling, signaling when he's got a veteran receiver out there. And so obviously that's why the passing game really wasn't that great this year. I mean, he didn't have a 300 yard passing game. He didn't really want to work with these young receivers in the off season. You can't operate on a whim and do your own thing. A third of the time is what one receiver told me. He, he estimated that they pr- he probably changed plays about a third of the time. And he's not even like bashing Aaron Rodgers with that. But he's saying, look, it, it's tough when you're not really sure of yourself as a wide receiver. So wouldn't Matt LaFleur want a quarterback who's going to run his offense? And you've spent three years building Jordan Love in a lab behind the scenes to be exactly what you want in your in constant conversation with Steve Calhoun, his mentor, his quarterback's coach, you're sending him stuff to work on every offseason. They're taking video. They're sending it back to you. And now you've seen it against Philadelphia. It, I, I guess Matt LaFleur only knows the real answer. Maybe he is all in on Jordan Love. He's done with Aaron Rodgers and he's, you know, and that's how he really feels. But what, what's your take on where Matt LaFleur is at with that balance of, okay, I've got this Aaron Rodgers, this MVP quarterback who does these, all these great things. I'd really like to play Jordan Love because he's going to run my offense. Yeah, it's an interest, interesting dichotomy because on the one hand, Rodgers, you make a crappy um, play call, Rodgers gets you out of it sometimes. You know, he, he sees, True. okay, they've got too many guys up at the line of scrimmage for this play to work. You know, let's switch to something else. Um on the other hand, you know, it's like, just run the play, you know, but there's a number of times you see where if you just stick with the run, you know, it's a touchdown or, you know, the play is the right play. So there's kind of a push and pull there. Um, you know, every coach wants a guy who can get him out of trouble when he makes a bad play call because there's a bad play calls made every game. Um, happened this year was that um it wasn't as much about changing the play calls i think was it uh as it was rogers missing open receivers and not seeing the field the way he normally does and i think that's a little bit probably what swayed them about it's time to move on because you go through that season um 
the Detroit game was prime example of receivers he just missed. I mean, just wide open receivers, something he never would have done in the past. And so it isn't just that some of the throws were off, which probably was due to his thumb. It was that he did not connect with guys who were open. And I'll never forget watching a game. um, And it was uh, watching the broadcast. I think it was the Manning cast or someone put it on Twitter afterwards. And Eli and Peyton are watching and he's got this throw to Alan Lazard and he sails it over his head. It's going to be a, it's like a corner route. It's going to be a deep game. And they're both like, put it on him. He's wide open. Put it on him. They're like, don't throw what the route, you know, the route says go to this, right? But he's wide open somewhere else. You know, he's wide open, not quite where he's supposed to be. And I'll never forget Peyton Manning going, put it on him. You know, like they're credulous that he wouldn't do that. And now that that could be because he just didn't see it or it's, it's coming slower to him. I don't know. But those kind of things kept popping up. But then, you know, on the other end, I talked to personnel guys during the year who had played, their teams had played against them, and they're like, oh, he can still throw it. You know, he can still spin it. He's he looked pretty good to me. You know, he, he, um, he, you know, McCarthy said after a game, he's like, the guy made every throw he needed to make, you know, in that game. So, I just think the Packers are betting on it's he might have a good season next year, but the skills are starting to show, you know, the decline is starting to show and it's time to just move on. So they're taking a little bit of a calculated risk. He could have a really good year next year. He stays in great shape. Um, His arm is still good. His arm's not going to fail him, but is he seeing the, the open receivers the way it should. Right. It's a little different than 13 and three hosting an NFC championship game. You're in overtime that close to Super Bowl with Brett Favre. Then eight and nine, two of six for 12 yards with an interception at home against the Detroit Lions, missing receivers. That's where this is different than 07 to 08. I mean, you're, you see the decline. It's staring at you, but that contract just complicates it. Uh, so where, what, what do you expect, Tom? Like, what, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> how does this, well, how does this what, go down? How do they divorce themselves? One, one other factor that I didn't bring up, if I can bring it up, um, yeah. is that he didn't have Devontae Adams. And if we know anything now, it's that Devontae Adams played a huge role in his success. Because Devontae Adams went on and had another year just like he had, you know, in 2021. And he had a lesser quarterback playing, you know, with him. And Rodgers didn't have the same year with Devontae Adams gone. Um, I looked at, I went back and looked at Devontae Adams' touchdowns in 2021. And like 10 of them were inside the 10-yard line. So the Packers had their worst red zone year in I don't know how long. They've always been really good in the red zone. And they couldn't score. And there there you go. That that's the reason. You know, Rogers just couldn't connect, find connections. And it shows you how important Devontae Adams was to his um numbers and 
is winning. So I think that's something you have to look at too. Um, as far as what happens, I, I go change in my mind every day how this is going to happen, but I ultimately think he'll be traded. I think it's going to be a long, my opinion will be a long drawn out thing. It might not, they may not even be able to trade him until after the draft. I don't know. I really don't know. But I think Brian Gutekunst, if they let him run this thing, he's pretty, he's pretty hard-headed. You know, he doesn't really show that, but he is very hard-headed. And that's why the whole thing blew up in 2021 at the beginning of 2021 when Rodgers was just like, I'm done. And that's because Gutekunst doesn't, you know, wasn't giving any ground on anything. And so I, I think if he's made his mind up, and I think he has, they'll find a way to move on. And I think it'll wind up being a trade as long as Rodgers wants to play. And there's bound to be a team with a desperate owner and yes. in, in a situation where you would take on the money, take on the drama, you know, give give them unlimited supply of ayahuasca, whatever it takes. I mean, there's what half the teams in the NFL don't really have a good quarterback. There's there'll be somebody out there. It, yeah, and here's the other thing: is I don't think the compensation is going to be that great. I, I don't think it's going to be two first round picks. I think it could be a second, or it could be like a conditional third and it becomes a first if he makes the pro bowl or something like that you know i think it could be it's going to be far less than what people think it's going to be so you know i mean for an investment for a team let's say i I think carolina would be a good place for him james campen is there he's the offensive line coach they're very close uh or at least when they played they were very close um you know, Frank Reich runs a system that's, you know, not that far removed from West Coast and uh, all that. Plus, he's he's a pretty smart mind, you know. Um, and I was told that the GM really likes Rodgers. So if, it, if the price is right, why not draft a guy and then have Rodgers for a year? You got plenty of cap room. Do it. Miami's the same way, you know, maybe you give two of the year off or something to get completely covered from the um, concussion stuff and you go with Rogers for a year. I, I think it's all very doable. It's just up to him. Yeah. The more you think about it, Carolina makes sense. You know, if Aaron is interested in pursuing winning in a Super Bowl. You'd probably want to stay in the NFC if you're just looking at quarterback play. Carolina's just been living in that purgatory at quarterback for a while. And And think about it. They got Reich as the coach and Josh McCown, I think, is the the quarterback's coach or offense coordinator, I can't remember. Um, But so two former NFL quarterbacks, if he's going to listen to anybody or be coached by anybody, it's going to be two guys who played in the league for a long time, you know? So that's, that's what stuck out to me was like, he will listen to those kind of guys. Um, You know, his best buddy was Alex Van Pelt and Van Pelt was hardly a star in the NFL, but he was a very intelligent guy 
journeyman, you know, quarterback, and and that was his mentor, and before Tom Clements, who was a quarterback at Notre Dame, right? You know, so that kind of stuff really matters to him. That's really when things got sour. You know, when we take it back to those McCarthy days, I mean, he was so close with Van Pelt, respected yeah. him, and yeah, when that when that broke up, things kind of started. Uh, dissolving from within and and Miami I I was at Mike McDaniel's press conference and he said it then it's interesting that he isn't touching that fifth year option with a 10-foot pole right now right if if two is up for MVP at one point you know I mean we we wrote 10,000 words on it here at the site it's everything was magical everything is great and then he suffers these concussions and you know they're not so sure about you know forget long term um a two-year plan. They're, they're not going to commit to a two-year plan right now. So my, maybe Miami is a team as, as well. So I think your point is like, we're so fixated on the Jets and the Raiders. It, it's beyond those two teams. And you might be right. Maybe this does kind of get through the draft and teams figure out their rosters and, and which young quarterback they have to develop and, and Aaron go somewhere once that does settles. Yeah. And, and the thing to remember is that nothing happens with his salary cap um, number until the first game of the season. They they have until the first game of the season to exercise that option. So it just sits there um, with him counting the exact 31 million against the cap this year until they have to make a decision on the option. And the option isn't due until right before the regular season starts. So there is a lot of time them to figure something out um yeah and and i just think the fact that the compensation is in such a is probably going to be in a place where it's not two first round draft picks you know you may not have to give up a first round pick this year you know so why not it's it's worth it. it it might be worth it as long as you have the cap space to take take on his contract and if I'm Brian Gutekinds, I'm reminding Mark Murphy and Matt LaFleur every day that we could have had three first-round picks for this guy at one point. Yeah. I'm just reminding them, listen to me from here on out, if he really did want to move on a year ago, which sounds like he probably was. Yeah. If it, if I'm sitting there, and I think this is probably true, they're going to be like, well, we need to get whatever we want for him. But we got a chance to get rid of them, you know, be done, be done. All right. We'll take the third round pick, you know, or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, it's same with what happened with Favre. You know, the only caveat they put on, on it at the time was they couldn't trade them to the uh, NFC North. And maybe they'll do that, you know, take a third and you can't trade them to the Vikings or lions or bears or whatever. So Man, there's so many moving parts here, but that was phenomenal, Tom. Holy cow. Did we miss anything? I don't I don't want to cut you short because oh. you covered every possible angle. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Uh, I'm sure as soon as we hang up, I'll, I'll be like, hey, wait, <laughs> we got to go back. I got some more stuff. Yeah, like, I don't know. TJ Rubley back in the 90s. It just reminds yeah. me of something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Also, if he's gone, they got to find a backup, too. So yeah. That's going to be kind of interesting. Um, who would they bring in as a veteran backup? You know, um, that could be Carson Wentz, but who knows? Could it be? 
I mean, maybe that does make a little sense. I don't know. Um, no, I don't think they take him. I, okay. You know, maybe as a, I don't know. No, nah, I, 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 you know, a guy I always think about is um, Taylor Heineke. Like, yeah. he had some really nice games against them. He's grew up a Packers fan. You know, he's um, exciting to watch. You know, he's he's not going to be a starting quarterback, but he might not be a bad backup quarterback guy like that. But there's there's other guys. They'll they'll find somebody. But they need they kind of need a veteran who can help Jordan Love out too. Someone with more years than that. I, I like Heineke a lot. I, I think it was really weird how he kind of got jerked around in Washington. Um, but just before I forget, Tom, I mean, just in the NFC North, Bob really thinks Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit, three-team race, any one of them could win it, regardless of how this quarterback stuff plays out. Any any thoughts on where this would leave Green Bay competitively in the division? Say they they, they do unload Rodgers for like a third-round pick, the roster – is what it is. They're not going to really go out and be able to sign anybody. Um, can can they compete to win the division and get into the playoffs as is? Yeah, I, I think they can. I think they're dealing with a division that's not really that great um, at this point. Uh, I, I can't believe that Bob isn't all over the Detroit Lions, you know, being a <laughs> Michigan dude that he is. Now he can finally cheer for them out loud. He, I'm sure he's at home going, go Lions. <laughs> I haven't heard. I, I never, I've never gotten that inkling from Bob. I always wondered with the, the Michigan upbringing. But, um, yeah, well, I guess he's just a Wolverines dude then. But <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. Anyway, I, I really like the Lions. I think they're in great shape. And, um, if they, if they really hit it, get a guy who can help them pass rush right away or a corner. Um, in the draft, they get a, they could somehow find a guy like Sauce Gardner to all of a sudden put on their defense. I think that would change a lot. And I, I was really impressed with how they took it to the Packers in week 17. You know, they just, they're a tough, tough as nails team. Now, whether they can push it very far with Jared Goff, I, I have my questions about that, but I don't, I do think Green Bay, no matter who the quarterback is, can, can compete. Their defense will be pretty good. Um, you know, there's the Joe Barry question as always, um, but their special teams will be better. So their offensive line could be pretty good if everything falls into place. And, you know, I think they have to draft another wide receiver. I think if they, if there's a chance to nab a, a guy in the first round, I, I would do it. Um, and then they got to get a tight end, and it's a great year for tight ends, a really good year for tight ends. So they could add to their offense. That's the thing is, as much as they missed the boat on all of these first-round picks and surrounding Jordan Love with a lot of young talent to grow with, he, he still can get all of that. You got Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and you add a receiver, you add a tight end. You, Aaron Jones took a pay cut to stay. There's, there's still a pretty good nucleus in Green Bay. Yeah, what really what really has kind of saved them is that la- I think last year's draft class is going to wind up being Gutekunst's best. You know, I mean, think about it. you got at least two what receivers, maybe three out of it. You got a a starting, you know, uh, or or a 
you know, rotational guy uh, in Zach Tom that you can move all over the place. You know, still, I wouldn't rule out Sean Ryan as being someone um, who could help them on the offensive line down the road. It, you know, Quay Walker and Devontae uh, Wyatt, you know, Quay Walker is, I don't know how great he'll get, but he's, he's going to be there for a long time. Um, so what they have to do is like follow that up with another one. And then that's how you kind of become a Super Bowl team, in my opinion, as you you put together two really good draft draft classes. Tom, you're the man. This was awesome. I just love seeing you, talking to you, and I'm I'm mad that our combine week was cut short. I I feel like we we absolutely should have uh, you know gotten together for for some Italian food or a steak or a few I know, beers at and least. It, I'm sure I would have run into you if I had. Uh, you know, done my diligence and gone out to the bars more than I did, but uh, I'm getting old. Guy. It's just, hey, I'm, I'm I getting old too, man. I'm cutting now. back on that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what's funny. It's like everybody says, oh, the real stories at the combine happen when you're at a uh, prime 47 and it's 3 a.m. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to talk to people during the day. I mean, our kids, when they go to bed at 7, 7.30, we might watch a show, but we are hitting – we're going to bed at 8.39 at the latest because I, I know, 4.30 right? wake-ups right around the corner. It's, yeah, it, it is great to go out and you see so many people and everybody's more, way more um, loose with information, you know, at 2 a.m. and in the JW Marriott bar, but – <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta save yourself too. So. Yeah. If I'm like a, a random like area scout, you know, and I, I would just start putting out just a bunch of fake news right at the bar at 2am. Just, just, just like, just see what happens. I just say hey, Aaron Rodgers to the Patriots, sir. You know, just something crazy. And, and like Sue who picks up on it the next day in the news, that that'd be kind of fun, but that would be fun. Yep. <laughs> Thank God that's never happened to me as far as I know. <laughs> Packersnews.com at Tom Silverstein on Twitter, correct? Correct. Yep. Uh, be sure to follow Tom every hour of every day because who in the hell knows where this uh, story will go next. So you you haven't tried ayahuasca. You haven't, like, you know, done any darkness retreats yourself just to put yourself in his shoes, have you? I, I- Told people I've been in darkness for like the last 20 years. You know, it started with Favre, you know, so I was in darkness for four years of Favre at the end there. And now I'm with Rogers. It's been three years. So now I actually have like seven years of darkness with me, okay. you know, there you go. Of, of experience of just totally being in the dark. So yeah, I, I have vast experience in that. Well, thanks I know my so way much. to the toilet. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, 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 don't let me cut this off short. I mean, if you've got some toilet takes, I'll you know fire away. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kind of private about that. I'm more private about that than uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, yeah. I kind of laughed, but it was pretty gross. So I it was an uncomfortable laugh. I... Yeah, I those shows. I mean, he's able to do that because he's got a lot of enablers. You know, that's basically what it comes down to. And nobody ever pushes him on. The only guy I've ever seen him push a little bit is A.J. Hawk, who's who's a really good friend of his. If you listen closely, once in a while on that show, he, he'll he be like, uh, 
you know, well, well, how did that, what do you mean by that? Or, you know, the time he told them that Joe Rogan was his expert. If you ever go back to that, watch AJ Hawk's expression. That's just absolutely hilarious. So, but for the most part, you know, they're just, they're just enabling him. I will, I imagine if you're telling him no, you're probably cut out, right? right? You're not, you're not close to Aaron Rodgers. If you're saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe you shouldn't do that. No, you're, see ya. Bye. Yeah, I, maybe, or, or it's like your advice, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell you this. And he, he'll be like, okay, thanks. And then ignore it, you know, Mm -hmm. or ask you Mm -hmm. for your opinion. And then, you know, that's how I imagine it being. I don't know that that's how it is, but I imagine it being like, okay, thanks for your opinion, you know, but I'm going to do what I do. Let's let's bring them on for the next show. Next time I have you on, we'll just, we'll just bring them on and we'll have a good discussion. Okay. Yeah. I'll get them. I'll get them on. So, yeah, sounds yeah, right. good. Everybody better t- tell everybody to subscribe then. We'll, we'll end it right there. Yes. Yes. Okay. If you subscribe to go long, well, uh, and the JS online a package, I'll try to get them on here. Perfect. Per- that's, that's the salesmanship we need. Thanks a lot, Spoon. Yeah. You got it. Anytime.